Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. I was praying as he was singing, Lord, just make me small. Make Jesus big. Make him great. I mean, he already is. We know that. But just do something today. You know, we just want God to just show up and radically do something in our hearts today to make us more like Jesus. Amen? That's my prayer. That's what I want God to do in my life. Make me more like Jesus. Because I love him. And I know that he loves me. And I know that's a prayer that he'll answer. If that's the desire of our hearts. Well, take your copy of God's word. Begin to find Genesis 5 as I try to get myself together here. Tim calls me a crybaby. I am a little bit. Sometimes I get to thinking about Jesus. I can't help it. But cry and just, whoo, thank him for what he's done. God has led me to preach a series of messages I really wanted to preach a long time ago and have been praying about preaching for a long time, probably about four or five years, and never really uh, jumped out there to do it. But I'm going to start a new series that we're going to uh, call Character Sketches. And we're going to look at some biblical characters over the next Whenever, I don't know when, how long we'll go. Uh, And we're going to look and see into their lives to see how it can impact our lives. The Apostle Paul reminds us that those things are written, that is, everything that's written in the Bible, but specifically those things that Old Testament were written for our instruction. That is, they were written so that we could look back, peer into the lives of, and the narratives of the lives of the people in the Old Testament, and we can begin to tweak our lives after theirs. Now you're saying, why do we want to do it with Old Testament people? Because they, they lived the principles of godliness before us. And by the way, some of them didn't do so well. <laughs> some of them fell miserably, but recovered gracefully. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to look at some of those characters as well, because... I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I fail miserably, but I'm thankful that God gives me the grace to get back up. Amen? And he does every time. And so as we begin to think about these Old Testament characters, we're going to start way back in Genesis. Just makes sense, right? Go to the beginning. And the first character that I really want to deal with is this guy named Enoch. Now, there's two Enochs in the Bible. You'll find that there's one in the line of Cain. And Cain was the the wicked son that murdered his brother. But then there's another Enoch that is the seventh from Adam, the Bible says here. He is the seventh generation from the first man. Think about that. We got Adam and then seven generations later, Enoch comes on the scene. If you begin to read his story, you'll find it in the end or really in the, in the middle of Genesis chapter 5. 
But if you look at Genesis chapter 5, it reads like an obituary column of newspaper. When, when you begin to, to read chapter 5, you find that it begins with Adam and it's going to end with the sons of Noah. The reason why we begin with Adam, of course, is he's the first man that ever lived. He was created by God, single man, not a bunch of men, but a single man created by God out of the dust. God fashioned him and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He created Eve, his wife, and we know the rest of the story. They sinned in the Garden of Eden. When they sinned, God expelled them. They had two boys. One killed the other. They had a third boy. His name is Seth. And so you move from Adam to Seth. Now, when you begin to think about the Bible and you begin to think about Genesis chapter 5 specifically, as God is giving us this lineage from Adam down to Noah's sons, there is some things that pop up in the text that are very familiar over and over and over again. For example, we get a name of a patriarch. Somebody's name appears. Right after their name, we're told how long they lived before they had their first child. Lord help us as some of us had children in our hundreds, right? Some of them had children in their hundreds. But you got to remember, many of them, most of them lived to be 750 years plus. So Methuselah being the eldest, 969 years he lived, that's a long time to be on the face of the planet. Some people may say, well, why did God allow people to live that long? Well, the reason being, if you understand anything about the Bible, God would use the testimony of those people who were living for those long generations to pass on to the next generation and to the next generation, to the next generation, the truth of God's word. How do we know about the Garden of Eden? Well, we know that because Adam was firsthand information. Adam lived 900 plus years. So he could tell several generations about the Garden of Eden. Isn't that pretty cool? How God does that. So we're told in the Bible a name. They lived this long. They had a child, a boy. Uh, we're chasing the lineage of men. And then it says this. And so-and-so begot so-and-so. And then after so-and-so was born, they lived thus. And it gives us a time period in which they lived so many more years. And then they died at a certain age. Okay. Now, it's interesting that when you begin to trace the lineage, you begin to look at it, that every single person lived, had a kid, had more children, died at a certain age. Now, why death? Because the curse is on the earth. The wages of sin is death. So if we learn anything in Genesis chapter 5, we learn about these patriarchs, but we learn that sin reigned from Adam at least down to Noah's sons. And we stop with Noah's sons. You know why? Because chapter 6, the whole world is wicked. God brings a, 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 a global catastrophe called a flood and wipes everybody out. So you end with this lineage there. Now, think about this. They lived... They died. They lived. They died. All the way through the narrative until you get to Enoch. You know what it says about him? It doesn't even say that he lived. It just said that Enoch walked. Look at the narrative of the text. Look at chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Just listen to what he says. And Enoch lived 50 or 65 years and begot Methuselah. And then notice how it changes in the text. 
In verse, 20 said, or verse 22, it says, And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He was young compared to the rest of the folk there. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Notice that when it talks about him walking, it talks, first of all, in the very first verse, verse 21, is it says, just like everybody else, he lived 65 years, had Methuselah. Now, when you begin to think about him living like everybody else, something significantly changed in his life. Sometime around the time that Methuselah was born, something radically changed in this man called Enoch because he went from just being one who lived 65 years to being a person who walked with God. And he walked with God 300 years before he died. What transitioned? What happened? Well, many believe that he had an experience of faith in God. And that experience of faith with God radically changed his life. So I want us today to begin to examine and to understand what does it really mean to walk with God? Because that's the crucial point of the text. You notice it says twice that he walked with God. In verse 24, it says, he walked with God and was not. That is, he vanished. He disappeared. And we're told where he went because God took him. This guy was highly favored by God because he walked with God. Do you realize there is only two men in the Bible that it says that they walk with God? One, Enoch. The other, Noah. Noah walked with God. You know what? In a perverse and wicked generation, Noah was a man who stood head and shoulders above everybody else when it came to godliness. There's only two men, David, that were translated and didn't see death, and that is Enoch and Elijah. Elijah didn't taste death. Second Kings, God took him. And here we have the same thing. This godly man who walked with God was favored by God, and God took him to glory. Now, we want to understand today, what does it mean then to walk with God? Because I don't know about you, I want the favor of God on my life like it's on Enoch's life. Amen? I mean, don't you? I mean, I really do. And if I want the favor of God on my life like it was on Enoch's life, then I want to look at this man's life, and I want to begin to understand what does it mean for me to walk with God? Well, the first thing is already on the screen, and that is Enoch's faith. See, in order for two to walk in agreement, according to Amos 3.3, you have to be in agreement, right? If you're going to walk together, you walk together in agreement. How can a man walk with God? First of all, you have to be in agreement with God. And in order for us to understand that, Enoch is mentioned three times in the Bible. And so I want you to hold your place in Genesis. We're going to come back, I promise. We're going to come back to Genesis. But hold your place there and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we see the faith of this man called Enoch. Notice what it says about him in in chapter 11 in Hebrews. And we're going to start at verse 5 and listen to what it says. By faith, Enoch, here it is, same guy, same man. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. That's what we were just told in Genesis, right? He was not because God took him. So now we go back to Genesis, or go back to Hebrews 11, you see that he lived by faith. Now, what faith? Well, look at the text. He tells us 
Enoch was taken away so he did not see death and was found not because God had taken him. For before he was taken, here it is, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How do you please God? Verse six. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what are we saying about Enoch? In order for us to be ones who walk with God, there has to be something that radically changes in our lives. See, the normal man, the natural man, the man who is born in sin does not want to walk with God. As a matter of fact, we're told in Romans chapter 2 that he wants to walk away from God. He doesn't seek after God. He's not looking for God. Why? Because he's living in a natural state. He's living in a fallen state. He's living in a depraved state. And so the natural man, he does not want to follow after God. So what has to change in his life? He has to get saved. He has to get born again. He's saying, I don't understand all those terms. It's talking about repentance and putting our trust, our faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Believing that he died for our sin, nailing it in his own flesh on the cross of Calvary, bearing all of that for us, dying and being buried, burying that sin far away. But hallelujah, on the third day, we talked about it last week, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And this is the faith that God is looking for. God is not looking for you to do good works. God is not looking for you to join a church. God is looking for faith and faith alone in his son, Jesus Christ, who bore all the penalty of sin on the cross of Calvary. It begins with faith. Something in his life radically changed. And we're told here in the text of Hebrews 11 that it was faith. Notice how he describes it to us. Verse six again, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, first of all, must believe that he is. Can I ask you today, do you believe that God is? What does that mean? Well, listen to Charles Spurgeon, what he says in regard to this. He said, this man walked with God. It was not that he merely thought of God. It was not that he speculated about God. It wasn't that he argued about God. It wasn't that he read about God. And it wasn't even that he talked about God, but he walked with God, which is practical, which is the practical part of all true godliness. What is he saying there? What is he reminding us? Is that when we talk about walking with God in faith, we're not saying that it's just the fact that I believe there's a God, but it's believing in the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not just that I believe there's a God. Listen, the devil, the Bible says, believes. The demons believe there's a God, but we're not going to see them in heaven. They're not radically changed. They're not any different from knowing there's a God. And so here, when we talk about faith, it's not just saying, hey, I believe there's a God. I talk to a lot of people. I talk to some of my family members. I say, you know, do you believe? Yeah, I believe there's a God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just some intellectual concept of, or, or philosophy or idea that there's a God out there. I never, do you know the true God, the one who said that you and I were lost in our sins, that we were damnable to hell, but he would send his son, Jesus Christ, born of the virgin, right at the right time to die on the cross for your sin and my sin, to raise from the dead in order that we could be saved. That's the God we're talking about. Amen. And there's only one by which you can be saved, by the way. 
There's not multiple gods. Don't believe the lie of the world. There's only one true God. And so he believed that God is. But then notice this, he says in the text. He says, not only do we got to believe that God is, verse 6 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, he says, but, but we must also believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'll tell you what, when you are radically changed by Christ and you pursue after God, you're rewarded. Amen? What was the reward for this man of faith? He was translated into heaven. He didn't die. (laughs) Think about that. He didn't die. That's awesome, isn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just walk from here right into heaven and not have to worry about tasting death first? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, if you're a believer and Jesus comes in the rapture before you die, you'll get to do that. And that's what he did. I believe he was like raptured. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was just taken up to be with God. He went to live with God. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to see this man named Enoch who has been transformed by the power of God. And you're saying, well, Jesus wasn't even around then. Well, let me tell you something. You're still saved by faith. I don't care who you are. You're saved by faith in the Old Testament. You're saved by faith in the New Testament. There's no other way to be saved but by faith. Amen. And this man walked with God because he believed that it was the true God, the holy God, the one God. And he believed in the promises of God. And he walked in the truth of God. And he walked in... Second of all, in our understanding of what does it mean to walk with God is that he walked in communion with God. See, let me tell you something, friends. You start with faith. You have to be regenerated. You have to have Christ to change you on the inside before you can walk with God. But after you're changed, after you're redeemed, after God calls you to be his child, then you walk with communion with God. Go back to Genesis. Go back to Genesis chapter 5. Listen to how it says it again in the text. He says in the text, listen one more time. He said, after he begot Methuselah, verse 22, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. He walked with God. That word walk in the Hebrew, if you were to take at its root, what it means, it means intimacy. That is, he had intimacy with God. What does that mean? He communed with God. You know what that means? When he went to bed, he was talking to God. When he got up in the morning, he was talking with God. When he was walking down the road doing his chores for the day, he was talking with God. Whatever he was doing, he was spending time with the Father. Listen, there's no shortcut. If you want to be a man or a woman who walks with God, you're going to have to first first of all be redeemed by Christ. Second of all, you're going to have to spend time communion with God. God wants this. God desires for you and I to commune with him, to rely upon him, to trust him, to come to him, to pray to him, to read his word so that he can speak to us. That's communion. That's walking with God. God desires this of us. Are you willing to spend the time to walk with God, to commune with him? It takes commitment. Listen, you and I have to commit ourselves to say, I am going to spend time with God. Men, can I ask you a question? Could you imagine going to the altar and getting married? And then after your honeymoon, coming back and say, okay, sweetheart, here's how it's going to work. I'll give you some time on Mondays and Wednesdays. You know, maybe, maybe on Friday. But listen, Friday night, I'm going out with the guys. Saturday morning, I'm playing golf with the guys. Saturday evening, we're going back out. We're going to go fishing. You know, that's, what, that's the way it's going to be. How many of us would remain married for very long? Not too long, huh? 
Why? Because you will not be spending time communing with your wife. And because you're not communing with your wife, your relationship would be very weak. And it probably would not last. But many of us treat God that very way. Many of us will do everything else and put God on the backstage, put God on the back burner when we ought to be putting God first. When we ought to be spending time with God first. I like what the old preacher at First Dallas, W.A. Criswell used to say. He said, before I can stand and talk to men about God, I must talk to God about men. It's about spending time with God. Spending time communing with him in intimacy, bearing our hearts open wide that God may commune with us, that he may speak to us. Listen, that's, that's why we're not people walking with God like we should. We just don't carve out the time necessary. And listen, that's not a punch the clock kind of thing either. You know, when I, when I spend time with Marina, I don't go, good, I punched the clock. I got my time in with her. I can go do what I want to do. It's not what we're talking about. It's talking about I want to spend time with God. I want to commune with this one who loved me so much through the cross of Calvary. I mean, he didn't have to love me. He didn't have to come find me, but he did. Isn't that amazing? People have a religious experience. They come to church. They have some kind of emotional thing happen. And then they're on fire for a few weeks, David, and then they're gone. And we scratch our heads and we go, what, what happened? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Many of that was just some kind of experience that wasn't Jesus. Because when you get Jesus and full of Jesus, you ain't going nowhere. Why is that? Because he keeps you. He brings you. He puts in your heart the desires to want to be in the fellowship of God's people. Amen? Can I tell you? I just have to be honest with you. We didn't have any grandkids this weekend. It was nice. It was quiet at my house. We didn't have any grandkids. <clears throat> and I just had to be, I was just confess. I was going to confess. I told Marina, I said, I'm not going to that movie tonight. I said, I don't have any grandkids. I'm staying home. It's quiet. I can stay in my pajamas. And I'm not going to that movie. Then I got to thinking, <laughs> I need to go to that movie. <laughs> <laughs> And I went, and I had a good time. I didn't care for the movie all that much. It's a kid's movie, but, you know. But I had a good time. I got the fellowship with God's people. Got to laugh and cut up. I mean, you see what I'm saying? God will put desires in our heart for him and his people. It's not about punching clock. So he was consistent. For 300 years of his life, we know that he walked with God. He didn't give up in the midst of it. Do you, do you think he had some difficulties? <laughs> I think he did. <clears throat> Matter of fact, next text we're going to look at shows us that he lived in a wicked generation. Was it the, uh, the, that the whole line of Adam was wicked people? No. They just weren't walking with God like Enoch was walking with God. If they were walking with God like Enoch was walking with God, they would have said, they walked with God, right? But if they didn't. Didn't say they were evil people. Just said they didn't walk with God like Enoch walked with God. There was something different there. So he was living in a difficult, difficult time. He was living around maybe some other Christians, some other people that probably weren't on fire for Jesus, who maybe just going through the motions of life. But he was different. And how do we know this? Well, 
Lastly, look at his witness. He was a witness for God. Now, where do we find this? You have to hold your place here in Genesis and go almost to the end of the Bible to the little book of Jude. Jude does not have anything but verses. And the reason being is there's only one chapter. All right? But if you just listen real quickly, I'm almost done. I promise. Just hang in there just a little bit more. Listen to what he says about Enoch. He's talking, listen, he's talking about preserving the faith. That's what Jude is about. It's about preserving the faith, being a witness. And in the midst of that, he's talking about apostates. And in talking about apostates, he quotes Enoch. Listen to what Enoch says. Now, Enoch, verse 14, the seventh from Adam, same guy, prophesied about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. I believe he's talking about the second coming of Jesus. And he talks about God gave him this prophecy. Listen, God gave him this prophecy in Genesis. Now we don't know when in that timeline of his life in the 365 years, we don't know when that happened. Some say maybe it was around the time Methuselah got saved or got, was born and maybe that's what changed in his heart. Maybe that's what was the conversion moment for him is when God began to speak to him and he gave him a prophecy. But he says, the Lord is coming with 10,000 of, I'm looking forward to this day. And he says to us to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way for all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Listen, he was living in a wicked time. But you know what? He stood up for Jesus. He witnessed. Amen? He prophesied. God gave him a word, and he gave the word. Amen? We don't have it recorded in Genesis But that's okay. We don't need it recorded there. We got the Holy Spirit giving it to us in Jude. We know it's him. Same guy, seventh from Adam. He was a witness. Listen, if you want to be one who walks with God, you cannot be a secret soldier. You cannot walk keeping your mouth closed. We are commanded to be witnesses unto Jesus Christ. We ought to tell people about him. Our lives are not lives that we hide behind and say, well, I don't want anybody to think I'm a religious fanatic, so I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. Who cares what they think? They're going to think what they think anyway. So be a witness for Jesus. Well, I don't have time to go any further other than say this. What was the reward? Enoch's reward was heaven. God took him. He didn't have to live in that wicked generation anymore. He got, to, he got to leave it 365 years. You know, for the Jewish people reading that, they would go, ooh, what's wrong with his life? Why did he die so young? Because they believe young people, when you die as a young person, something was sinful in your life. God had to take you out of the world for a reason. But no, God points out very clearly, no, he was a man who walked with me. And because he walked with me, I'm taking him home early. He's gonna miss some of this junk around here. And he's gonna go home to be with me. Listen, what's the reward for the believer? eternal life. Listen, don't live for this world. Live for the next. Don't live for earth. Live for heaven. Let's pray together. 
Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.